teaching a series, What Gospel Do You Believe? And I started this series by showing that John the Baptist came preaching repentance, turning from sin, and turning to God. But when Jesus started preaching, he very specifically preached a gospel. Now, the word gospel means good news. Here's the exciting news. Here's the good news. Here's this great message you all need to hear. The gospel. Good news. But it wasn't the gospel of turn from your sins, ask Jesus in your heart, and you'll go to heaven. The gospel that Jesus preached was far more comprehensive. As you read through the four gospels, Matthew's account, Mark, Luke and John's account of what happened when Jesus ministered on earth, you will see that everything Jesus talked about either began with or ended with the kingdom of God. In fact, in his parables, he often said the kingdom of God is like. What do I say all the time, Roger? A parable is a parallel to a truth in heaven that's meant to be paralleled here on earth. A parable is a truth in heaven that's meant to parallel here on earth. And that's why Jesus was always saying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'd tell us a story so that we could implement principles, life actions, thought patterns. As it is in heaven, so should it be here on earth in God's church. Yeah, and so I started this series by uh, asking what gospel have you believed in? And too often, really, and I sort of inferred this earlier uh, during worship, that we have a concept of, I got saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and uh, in the meantime, I'll duck in a church every once in a while, do my due diligence, cross my T's, dot my I's. And really... The gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God is that Jesus Christ came to overturn the kingdom of darkness. And everywhere where demons had control and rule over human lives, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is a mandate to you and to me to go into the world and tell people, you don't have to live under the tyranny, under the oppression, under the, the vexing of demons. You can come into the kingdom of God, a realm where God's blessing will be on your life, and you can live victoriously and triumphantly through Jesus Christ. Come on, if you're with me, say so. <clears throat> I showed how through translation, sometimes much is lost from the Greek to the English, and how when Jesus said, your kingdom, go preach, the kingdom of God is near, how in the Greek it literally means it is here, it has come, and its effects are still being experienced. When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, they said, teach us how to pray. He didn't say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come sometime in the future. No, that word, your kingdom come, come, 
is erkomahi. It is a present tense verb. It means your kingdom has come and it's happening all around us. I love the fact that everything about God is always now. Everything about God is always now. Maybe that's why his name is I am that I am. Not I'm going to be or I will be. I am that I am. He's not the God who was. He's the God who was and is and always shall be. Can I get an agreement? He's always in the now. He's always relevant to today. And so we've been looking at these things. We got plastic on the platform here so that the carpet doesn't get too wet. But I, every time I move around, I can feel this plastic's wanting to grab my foot. And uh, <clears throat> so if I go for a slide, you're going to make believe you never saw it. <laughs> you're just going to stand up and start saying, praise God, amen. So nobody will even know, pastor took a slip. <laughs> but it's not going to happen, right? All right, we've agreed. I want to share a little scripture with you. And this scripture that I'm going to start with this morning is taken out of a dialogue where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says to them, he's talking to them about supernatural sustenance, spiritual provision. He said, listen, you see the lilies in the field? They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. They're perfumed. They're so bright and colorful. Solomon, in all of his splendor, never looked as good. With the best tailors and uh, seamstresses, with all of his royal garments, never looked as good as a lily in the field. He said to them, look at the sparrows. They don't really toil, and yet they're always fed. Somehow they will always find food, and food is always provided. And then Jesus goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't be like the pagans, the people in the world, who they chase this and they work and they struggle to get this and they want to achieve these goals. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask you a question. Did he say seek second the kingdom of God? Yeah, everyone's taking the fifth. You all know where I'm going, and you're all staying quiet. You're taking the fifth. It will not be held against you. So answer me. Did he say, seek the kingdom of God second? No. Third? No. Fourth? No. Fifth? No. First? What does the Ten Commandments say? The very first commandment says, I am the Lord your God, and you will not have any other gods before me. And whether you believe in deities or not, whatever becomes a treasure above the name of Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, it has become a God to you because it has taken the place of the one true God. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. Now, to the natural mind, unless our back is bent and we put in labor, unless our hands are in action, unless our brain is engaged, 
we have difficulty believing in a supernatural provision of God. Now, I'm not advocating stay home, keep getting unemployment, and uh, call that God's blessing. No, work is a godly thing. All right, the rest of you are unemployed. <laughs> I said work is a godly thing. Chasing the almighty dollar isn't. What's your focus? What's your priority? And so in the midst of this conversation, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Look, if you put the things of God first, what Jesus is saying is, God will make sure everything you need, you'll have. He used the illustration. Look at the lilies. Solomon never looked that good. He talked about the sparrows. You don't see them dying of starvation. Somehow they're always fed. God provides for them. Seek first the kingdom of God. I think one of the largest complaints that I would have in my heart is that by and large, as Americans, we are so blessed, we are so prospered that I can't say that unilaterally across the board in the United States of America that the churches of Jesus Christ are aggressively pursuing first the kingdom of God. But I can say this, that when we all start to do it, we will see a major difference in the United States of America. Yes. Absolutely. Now watch this. He said, give and it'll be given to you. Give. In fact, he says, prepare purses for yourselves that will never wear out. How many of you would like to have a wallet that's always got $100 bills as change, spare change. Who would like that? How many of you ladies would like to have a credit card you never have to pay off? Now, I'm not recommending that if you have a credit card, don't pay it off. Otherwise, you will be a servant to that thing. It'll master you. I've always taught my kids, we've always taught our children, if you can't afford what you're going to buy and you're going to pay for it with a credit card, you will end up paying for it two to three times in interest. And if you couldn't afford it the first time, how are you going to afford it the second time and the third time? And so I've always taught our kids, you never buy anything on a credit card that you don't have the money in the bank to pay for it at the end of the month. Absolutely. Yeah. But watch what Jesus says. He says, give, trust God, seek the kingdom of God. Come on, let's make the things of God a priority. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be drawn to. Why do I throw myself into the things of God? Because I don't want my heart to waver. I don't want it to be anywhere else but in the things of God. Hello? Is that a good word? Is that a good recommendation? So watch this. In the middle of all of that, Maybe Jesus could feel the atmosphere. He could feel the concern in his disciples. He's talking to them about living by faith, trusting God. God's going to take care of you. Put the kingdom of God first. And he is evoked to make this following statement. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
He's talking about natural things today. He says, prepare purses that'll never wear out. Give to the poor. Do you know that it is a divine principle? It is either a divine principle or Jesus is a liar. Jesus said, prepare for yourself purses that will never wear out. Be generous and give to the poor. The key to prosperity is not chasing money. The key to prosperity is living for the kingdom and using the resources God gives you to bless others less fortunate than yourself. I mean, if that isn't a key to being blessed financially, I don't know what is. Prepare for yourself purses that will not wear out. Give to the poor. And as he could feel the concern rising, he could hear the thoughts ticking over in Peter's mind and Matthew's mind. Matthew was so used to counting every penny being a tax collector for the Roman government. He says, don't be afraid. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, first of all, that word afraid in the Greek means don't have phobias. Don't have multifaceted types of fears. Don't get paranoid. Don't be afraid you're going to lack. God has given you the kingdom. The kingdom rests on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. The government is on his shoulders, and all the resources of heaven are yours. Do not be afraid, little flock. Grace and faith, visitors, long-standing pillars in this church, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom of God and all of its resources you have access to, the Father has given you the kingdom. In fact, it doesn't say he'll give you some resources. It says he's giving you the whole mine. He's not giving you the right to mine one gold vein in this massive gold mine. He says, no, I'm giving you the whole mine. I'm giving you the kingdom. The resources of the kingdom are ours. And when we learn to live in sync with the principles of God's kingdom, then the principles of God's kingdom will serve us and bless us and look after us and keep us. You see, it's very important. Jesus kept preaching the good news of the kingdom and one of the good news is, is that if you really throw your heart into the things of God, if you stop worrying and having phobias about this and that, and you do what God tells you to do. Now, we are not advocating against putting in a good day's work or having a, a serious job. No, we're not advocating living off the the, the government of the United States and just taking handouts for the sake of taking handouts. We are talking about being a, a, a reliable, resourceful citizen who is putting into the community, but you put into the kingdom of God first because God is your source and God is your treasure. And when we live according to kingdom principles, the principles of the kingdom will feed us.
The principles of the kingdom will heal us. The principles of the kingdom will deliver us. The principles of the kingdom will defend us. Well, we live for the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, don't have phobias. All different types of fears and paranoias. It is your father's good pleasure. He has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is mine. There's healing in the kingdom of God. There's resources in the kingdom of God. There's peace of mind in the kingdom of God. We get so wound up by looking at the events of what's happening in the world, whether it's political or whether it's what's happening in my own life. Listen, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that Pastor Rob is a man of faith 24-7, and every second he's breathing and uh, uh, exhaling faith. Now, sometimes the issues that I have to deal with start to get too big in my imagination, and God has got to pull me back to his word because that is the only correct perspective. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. But I love the fact that Jesus said it's your father's good pleasure to give you. The word give is ditto me, and it means to bestow on you, to place on you. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, the kingdom of God is on me. Say it. The kingdom of God is around me. The kingdom of God is in me. All the resources of God's kingdom are for me. Come on. You see, it takes a mental shift. But we have to learn to be people of faith and not only people of logic. I am not saying, and I will never say, that the word of God is illogical. When you understand the principles of faith, there is a logical conclusion. God is always logical. He always makes sense. Always. When you have no logic, you have a disorder of thought. And where there is disorder, there is confusion. But where there is order, there is a systemized system of logical thinking. Thought applied and laid one foundation upon another. God is a God of order. He is not illogical. He is very sensible. The reason why people think that the things of God are weird and supernatural and you can't understand it is because they have not taken the time to learn the laws of the kingdom of heaven. If you grew up all your life, <laughs> very quickly, uh, you know, my, my family, some of my family comes from Naples. And in Naples, uh, the rules of the road are wild. Now, my uncle... He's with the Lord now, uh, but he uh, headed up two churches and a drug rehabilitation center. And uh, we're riding in the, his little Fiat, and we're heading towards a red light. And he puts his hand on the horn, and he just starts honking the horn, and he drives straight through the red light. 
And I looked at him and said, Uncle Zio, you went through a red light. He says, no, that's how we do it here in Naples. Conversely, a couple of my cousins came to visit from Naples several years back, a good six, seven years back, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, 11.30, the roads were empty. I was at the intersection of 580 and McMullen Booth Road, very wide intersection. I was coming home from uh, Pastor Stephen and Amy, uh, there, Amy's my daughter, for those of you who don't know, and Pastor Steve is my son by marriage. And we were coming home from having had a night there. It's 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. There's no one on the road, and the light is red, and I'm just sitting there. <laughs> and I could see in my rearview mirror these two young guys looking at each other, and I could almost hear their brain saying, Maquiste pazzo. This guy is crazy because I'm standing at a red light. There are no police, no one to hold me accountable, and I'm not driving. And they said, why don't you go through the red light? No one's here. I said, because the law says. And they one turned to the other and said, my goodness, this is really a land of order. The culture of Naples, while there are some similarities, there are some things that are so diverse, it was tripping all the fuses in their brain. The principles of the kingdom are diverse and different than the principles in the world. And we need to learn the principles of heaven if we want to be blessed by the principles of the kingdom of God. Can I get an agreement? Come on now. Yeah, absolutely. But Jesus said, it's your father's great pleasure. It's his joy to bestow on you the kingdom. Watch this. Luke 22, verse 29. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father has conferred one on me. And that word confer, diathidome, means to appoint, to make a covenant, to make a will. It's made up of two Greek words, dia and thidome. And thidome in the Greek uh, means to place, to lay, to set, to appoint. I place on you the kingdom. I set on you, I appoint on you the kingdom. You see, if you don't understand the kingdom, if it's never preached to you, if you only ever hear the gospel of salvation, repent, ask Jesus in your heart, go to heaven, you will live here in life according to the principles of the United States of America. And as good a country as this is, even though it's not perfect, it is a great country, but you will miss out on the benefits of the kingdom of God. I live in the greatest kingdom in the expanse of universes throughout the galaxies, and it is the kingdom of God. You live in the kingdom of God. I want you to understand the kingdom of God so that the precepts, the realities of it become more real to your soul than what you know about the USA. 
So Jesus says to his disciples, I confer on you, I appoint on you, I place on you, I set on you a kingdom. Just like the Father put the kingdom on me. The word dia in the Greek, it's a preposition, and it means uh, correctly or properly, it means across the board to the other side, back and forth to go all the way through, successfully across. When we measure from one side of a circle to another, we call it the diameter, diameter from one end to the other end. And so diathithomy means that God has across the board unilaterally given you the kingdom. That's a powerful concept. About five, six years ago, for the first time in my life, I'm 64 years old, for the first time in my life, I had the opportunity to buy a brand new car. First time. For me, it was a great joy. But I had to read the owner's manual and find out there were so many gadgets in that Genesis, I had to work out how everything functioned. Or otherwise, I would have been driving and benefiting just the basic things that the car could do without realizing it has assisted steering. It has adaptive cruise control. It will alert me when I put my right hand blinker on if there's someone in the right lane and it'll beep. If the road is starting to curve and I'm not paying attention because Pastor Carlos is in the passenger seat and he's distracting me, and I'm driving and I'm looking, the steering wheel will slightly nudge me to follow the curve in the road. I think that's the kind of car every senior citizen should have. <laughs> that's why I bought it. By the way, my definition of senior is not old. It's important. <laughs> Amen. I'm an important citizen. I am a senior. <laughs> Who's the senior person here? Who's the person in charge? I am a senior citizen. Praise God. Well, that's my definition. And in this instance, I get to make up my own definitions. <laughs> but when it comes to the word of God, we're going to stick to God's definitions. Can I get an agreement? Yeah. It says here, Jesus says to his disciples, I confer on you, I place on you the kingdom of God. Unilaterally, I am giving you authority in his kingdom. The same way the Father put the kingdom on me, I am putting the kingdom on you. Very interesting. Jesus came with authority from heaven, and when he raised up the 12 disciples, when he raised up the 72 disciples, it says, I have been given authority and I give you authority over demons and principalities. I give you authority over the kingdom of darkness. And here Jesus is making it very clear that the same way the Father delegated the kingdom to him, Jesus has given us the kingdom. He has delegated the kingdom to us. Now if I am living in the kingdom of God, I want to know how it operates especially if the Word of God tells me that he has appointed unto me unilaterally 
access to all of his kingdom. How many of you are getting just a little bit fired up about the fact that you live in the kingdom of God? You see, it's not like being a citizen in the United States of America. You live in America, but somebody else is calling the shots. Somebody else is making the rules. They tell us we have a democracy and we get to vote, but we usually vote on promises that never get fulfilled. I'm talking unilaterally across the board. But in the kingdom of God, you and I have been made sons of God and we have been given authority and power. We have rights. We have authority. We're also called to a particular lifestyle. And that is a lifestyle of imitating and replicating Jesus Christ. Absolutely. The best husband you could be is the one that sounds and acts like Jesus. The best wife that you can be is one that sounds like and has the heart and the attitudes that came out of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the truth. Isn't that the truth? He says, my father has given you the kingdom. He has conferred on you a kingdom just as he conferred on me. And in the Greek, just as is the phrase kathos. And it means in direct proportion to the father putting the kingdom on me. In the same proportion, to the same degree, I am putting the kingdom of God on you. Whoa! Come on, that deserves a whoa! Not bad. I wasn't sure if you were going to go there. I'm so glad you did. Do it again. Whoa! Awesome. This is what it says in the Greek. Come on, church. We are the kingdom of God, just like we are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a place. The church is the people of God who have been washed with the blood of Jesus, and they have been called sons of the Most High. Come on. We are the church and we are the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has been put upon us. I don't just live in it waiting to get there. No. The kingdom of God is in me. It's around me. It flows through me. I want you to understand. Because too often we've been taught a gospel that is passive. We've been taught a gospel that makes us spectators. Do you notice when Jesus came preaching, his disciples followed him and he preached. Then his disciples followed him and 12 of them preached. Then his disciples followed him and 72 preached. And then 120. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I confer on you a kingdom. You don't just live in the kingdom of God, Kathy. He is resting 
the kingdom on you together with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus made a statement. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence, aggressiveness, and the aggressive, the determined, the serious have been taking hold of it. Come on, they got the concept, they got the understanding. The kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is now, and we are not meant to be the punching bag of demons. We are not meant to be the devil's target. We are meant to be overcomers in Jesus Christ. We're meant to go to those that are oppressed and bring them the good news and believing that there is a miracle ready to happen in their lives. Come on, if we want revival, we've got to expect and believe that every word that is written is the literal word of God. You can water it down and you'll have a watered down revival. And for too long, the word of God has been watered down in the church. I thank God we see miracles. I thank God we see souls saved. It doesn't make us phenomenal. It makes God phenomenal. Can I get an agreement? I couldn't produce a miracle with all the power in my pinky. I couldn't produce a miracle. But in the name of Jesus, I just have to say it. There's power in God's kingdom. Amen. Anybody agreeing with me here this morning? Come on. See, the church has been negligent. It's lost its message. It's lost the reality of everything that Jesus actually preached. Now watch this here. Jesus said, I'm giving you the kingdom to the same degree that the Father gave me the kingdom. The first time in the Bible God conferred a kingdom on someone was back in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Everyone say subdue. Subdue Subdue it and rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Two words. If you've been here more than a couple of years, you would have heard me talk about the word subdue. In the English, the translation, the way we translate it, infers, it draws the connotation you got to conquer it, subdue it, tackle it, overcome it. In the Hebrew, the word is kabash. And what it means in the Hebrew is keep it under your control. You see, when God created the earth, it was perfect. It was in harmony. Nothing was wild. Nothing was out of order. There was divine order everywhere. God wasn't telling him, you need to conquer the earth. You need to tame the weeds. No, 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 no. That was part of the curse. When God put Adam on the earth, he said, subdue it, keep it under your control. Why did he say that? Because he knew that there would be one who would come 
and challenge Adam for the government, for the governing rights of earth. When God put Adam on the earth, God said, let us create man in our image and let them rule over the birds of the air, the creatures in the sea, and everything that creeps on the land. As a representative of God, it was man's destiny, like God, to be in control. He created sons and daughters. He created humanity to reflect his power and his authority. And when Adam and Eve listened to Satan's suggestion and obeyed his word over God's word, Jesus gives us a little principle. Whatever you submit to, that thing, you've given it the right to have rulership over you. Jesus says it. What you submit to, you will serve. And so Adam and Eve, instead of being God's authority on earth, surrendered their authority, the keys, to the kingdom of earth. They surrendered it to the kingdom of darkness. David says in Psalm 8, I quote this often. Oh, sorry, the next word, first word is subdue. The second word is to rule. And the word to rule is the word rada. And it means to have dominion, to rule, and to dominate. God created man not to be crushed. God created mankind not to be tormented. It was never God's destiny for you to be born and to be hurt and wounded. These are the results of a fallen world, a world that has fallen out of God's divine order. The reason why there is confusion in the world is because we are out of God's divine order. And when you're out of divine order, you're in ungodly disorder. And where there's disorder, there will always be confusion. We live in a world that's mixed up. We live in a world that's confused. We live in a world where people don't know who they are, who they are anymore. Confusion. Men don't know their men. Women don't know their women. Come on. People are broken. They're hurting. They're believing a lie. And the devil is now writing the curriculum for our schools. Society is taking on an ideology. You know, Adam fell because he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We send our kids to public school and they're pumping them with the knowledge of evil. Come on. I'm serious, church. If we don't see the handwriting on the wall, why am I preaching about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven? Because you, the church, have the power to turn this thing around. We, the church of Jesus Christ, it's not a political party. It's not a presidential hopeful. It's the church of Jesus Christ. When we get right with God and when we do it right by God, God will be right there with us and he'll turn the whole thing around. Come on, if you believe that, give heaven acknowledgement. Yeah, praise God. Watch this here. 
So God intended for man to rule. When Jesus came, he said, I'm preaching the good news of the kingdom. I've come to bring divine order back to the world. There's coming a day where I will physically fill the earth with God's knowledge and the whole earth will be God's kingdom. But in the meantime, spiritually, we're going to invade through every nook and cranny, every hole, every crack. We're going to allow the kingdom of God to grow here, there, and everywhere. How many of you know the kingdom of God is expanding? Yeah. So watch this here. In Psalm 8, David says, what is man? You made him a little lower than angels, and yet you crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. You see, in the garden, the chain of command was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then it was man. And then it was the earth and every kingdom of animals that existed. And then it was the kingdom of darkness. When Satan used an animal to represent himself, he was reaching up because he was beneath every kingdom. And when Adam and Eve obeyed his word as opposed to God's word through the mouth of a serpent that was under them in the chain of command, and they obeyed the word of one who is even beneath the animal world, when God created the animals, they weren't in a fallen state. Demons were. They were the lowest of the low. And the first thing Lucifer did was he tried to invert God's divine order. God the Father, God the Son, the Word, and God the Holy Spirit, man. And, I, and Satan says to Adam and Eve, take my words instead of God's words. And the moment they obeyed the words of Lucifer, the divine order became inverted and you had disorder. And the world went from harmony to disharmony. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Jesus came to reinstate divine order. Amen. Jesus Christ came as a savior, not just to forgive you of your personal sins, but to save the whole earth from the fall of mankind. Are you hearing? So watch this. Ephesians, as I wrap up my thoughts, stay with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 23. Paul prays. And in this chapter, he prays Kenya for three things to happen. Alexandra, three very important things. He prays that we get this revelation. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, church, I'm praying this for you today. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance. Do you know that you have an inheritance right now? Jesus died. He gave us an inheritance. He rose again, and now we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. I want you to know the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
You say, well, what have I inherited? Oh, eternal life. No. Even there's other stuff. I am a partaker of the very divine nature of God. You see, we've become so sin conscious. Look at me. We are so conscious of everything that's wrong. We're not conscious of everything God did. Peter says we are partakers of a divine nature. There's a new nature inside of you. There's a new nature inside of you. And this is a divine nature created to look like and be in the image of God. Whoa, that sounds like Genesis. Uh-huh. It's called the restoration of all things. God is redeeming things back to how they were before the fall. And so the first thing that fell out of order was humanity, man. And the first thing Jesus did was open the gates of salvation so that we could be born again out of the last Adam, uh, the first Adam, and into the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ. We get born again, and all of a sudden, God starts to bring divine order back into our lives. The reason why I tell you, you can't make the Word of God fit you. you got to fit around the Word of God is because there will never be divine order until the Word of the Lord is the ultimate last statement. No ands, ifs, or buts. Hello? I mold my life to the Word of God. I don't try to adapt the Word of God to my life. This is the truth. You know, when you grow tomato plants, you put a, a straight stick alongside of the tomato plant, and the tomato wants to go this way, <laughs> and you tie it up so that it follows true north. It stays straight. And that's the effect the Word of God's meant to have in your life. So Paul says, I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance. Number three, verse 19 and I want you to know the incomparably great power for us who believe. Church, there is more power available to us than we're living in right now. Look, I love the fact, I love the fact that we have so many prayers answered and we see so many miracles. But I'm going to tell you, as the senior pastor of this church, I'm not satisfied. I want to rewrite the book of Acts. I want us to be that living book of Acts and the whole earth starts to rise up and say, who are these people that have turned our world upside down? Do you know from a worldly perspective, from a divine perspective, they turned the world upside down, but what they were actually doing was inverting disorder back into divine order. Amen. Absolutely. That's good preaching, Pastor Rob, even if nobody else says so. He says, I want you to know this incomparably great power for you who believe. And then he describes that power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. I want you to know there is a power available to you. I want you to have your eyes open. I want you to get a revelation, Paul says. I pray that you get the revelation that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and he wants to do the same thing again and again and again and again. He's the God of miracles. 
He's not the God of the natural. He's the God of the supernatural. That power is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, Paul repeats what David said in Psalm 8, verse 6. God has placed all things under his feet. In Psalm 8, verse 6, David says, What is man? You made him the ruler of everything you created. Do you know what fallen angels are? Demons. You know what they are? They're created beings. They weren't created as fallen beings. They chose to disobey God. But they're created beings. God put man above everything he created. You were never meant to be horsewhipped by demons. You were never meant to be ridden and driven by demons. You were never meant to be the victim of abuse. David says, what is man that you crowned him with glory and honor? The devil despised the fact that we had power and authority and he tricked Adam into surrendering his position as ruler, vice regent. The kingdom was with him. The kingdom was on him. God had given him jurisdiction. What Jesus said is, I give you the kingdom. The kingdom is on his shoulders, but he has made us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody give the Lord a thank you. Watch this, how it develops. Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. The fullness of Christ is in you. That's another sermon series. Yeah. <laughs> you know what this is talking about? Spiritual restoration of divine order. Man was under the kingdom of darkness. You don't have to be cursed. You don't have to be beat up. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be pushed around by circumstances. Man in his fallen state was under the kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of God has come. Good news. We are taken out of the kingdom of darkness when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart and we are raised up to heavenly places with Jesus and everything is under his feet. He's the head, we're the body. If he's the head and we're the body, we're sitting in the same seat. I shared that with you last week. This is the restoration of divine order. God is putting man back in charge again. Watch this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, Paul says, But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you are saved. Everyone say. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Church, (laughs) we read stuff like this and we think it's only written so that we have an emotional moment of excitement and we get goosebumps and we say hallelujah. Everything God does is logical. He raised you up with Christ Jesus and seated you in heavenly places. God is logical. One, the reason why he took you by the hand when you got born again, when you recommitted your life to Jesus, he took you by the hand and he took you up into heavenly places. He said, you are not meant to be the doormat of demons. You are meant to be a representative of heaven. I confer on you a kingdom, and therefore you are part of the body of Jesus Christ. He is in you, and you are in him. And I'm going to put you in a seat of governance up in the heavens, and the whole demonic realm that lives in the first heavens over the earth will be under your feet because you, Juan, are in Jesus Christ. You see, as a tourist, I went to Great Britain with my family years ago, and they have this novel thing called the eye. And it's like a gigantic Ferris wheel, the largest one I've ever seen. But instead of a chair that holds two people, it's a capsule of glass. And about four, five, six people can fit in that capsule. And there's one capsule after another. And it goes around very slowly. And you get a bird's eye view of all of London. Has anyone ever been in the eye? One or two? Okay, anyone? You have? All right. Phenomenal tourist attraction. This is not a tourist attraction. He didn't sit you in heavenly places so that you have something fancy or nice to say. He didn't put you in heavenly places so that you have another meaningless religious slogan. And that's the problem. We don't take the word of God literally enough. When the devil comes to me, I look down. When the devil comes to me, I say, what are you doing out from under my feet? We got to get things into perspective. We have seen subconsciously the devil as the counterpart of God. That's like saying, if I go bad, I am the counterpart of God. He is, Satan is a created being. I said this last week. He is not God. He was one of the rank and file of angels. Yes, he was a guardian angel, but he's a fallen angel. The same way humanity fell and they are less than what God had created them to be, the same with demons. They are not even equal to angels. They are fallen creatures. It doesn't just mean they've gone bad. They are less than the status that God had put them in. And the kingdom of darkness and the king of that kingdom is a great liar and a great deceiver. And he's got half the church convinced that he's the biggest bad 
baddest, meanest boogeyman you will ever meet. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It is my Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. I don't just live in it. I live in America. But the kingdom of God is on me. I'm part of the governing influence of God's kingdom on earth. Praise God. Whip it up, lady. Help me. God bless you. Watch this. I'll show you something really cool. Ephesians 3. I just read Ephesians 2. We're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. David, where are you? Okay. In the natural. Where are you in the spiritual? Right. You're sitting in heavenly places. Do you understand what that means? Give me your foot. All of the kingdom of darkness fits under here. Do you understand that? You have authority. When Jesus said, it's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, when Jesus says, I confer on you a kingdom, he is bringing you into governmental authority with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, I give you authority over demons and over serpents and over scorpions. I give you authority over spirits of infirmity. Cast out the devil, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. Come on, church. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. I apologize it's never preached. And I apologize that the church has settled for the most convenient basic version of the gospel. But Jesus Christ died for something bigger and something better. I'm not just going to heaven. Heaven is in me affecting people around me every day of the week. That's why when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, this is how you should pray. Father, your kingdom Come, Erkomahi, your kingdom is here, your kingdom is present, it is in me, it is around us, it is working, it is expanding, it is happening. Those of you that have been listening to the series for the last few weeks, you get it, you know I taught the Greek tense and what it means. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is with you. The kingdom of God is here. So in Ephesians 3, Paul says, although I'm the least, than the least of all God's people, this grace has been given me to preach to Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Now listen. And to make plain to everyone. Joe, I want you to get this. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was hidden in God, who created all things. It was hidden. It's a mystery. And Paul says, it is the grace of God. He has given me the onus, the opportunity to reveal this mystery to the church. His intent was that now through the church, who is the church? Put your hand up if you're the church. Say, through me. It is God's intention intention. through me me. 
to make known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly realm. You see, God wants to send a message through the church to the rulers of heavenly realms. Those are demons. And God wants you to be a message of his secret wisdom that has been hidden throughout all the ages. And what is that wisdom? That though we were broken, though we were lost, though we were screwed up, though we were full of holes and we couldn't even help ourselves, though we became the bread of ugly, angry, hungry demons, God so loved us that he sent his son to wash us, to rescue us, to pull us out of the kingdom of darkness, to give us a new name, to put a new nature inside of us, to call us his beloved, to make us sons, to make us co-heirs with Jesus Christ and to put on us the power and the authority of his kingdom. Yes! Praise God. I watch this. 1 Corinthians. Paul talks about this mystery again, Paul. He said, God has anointed me, he's entrusted me with a mystery that's been hidden. See, a lot of people still don't understand the gospel. They think the gospel is just ask Jesus in your heart and your sins will be forgiven and you'll go to heaven. And Paul says, no, there is some good news that God has kept hidden. And it's the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. God has come to earth to invert the disorder of the demonic world and to redeem mankind and to put them back in the chain of command and make them an authority on earth again through Jesus Christ. So Paul says in Ephesians 3, God gave me the administration of this mystery which was hidden in God in the past. And it is his intention that now through the church, the rulers of darkness, the rulers of the heavens will learn this mystery. Now Paul refers to this mystery again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 6 and 8. He says, we, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery. See it? A mystery. He said this before. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden. This is what he was talking about in Ephesians 3. A mystery that has been hidden that God destined for our glory before time began. What is this mystery? Let's go to the next verse. None of the rulers of this age, none of the principalities, none of the demons who ruled cities, who ruled continents, none of the demonic forces of this age understood it because if they had have understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What's he saying? The hidden message 
was that even though Satan took humanity down, even though he thought he was trampling on top of God's sons, God had a hidden plan and the hidden plan was that he would come in the flesh and love us so much that he would come to earth, pick us up and reinstate us into royal authority and kingdom rule. Danielle, Paul is saying that if demons understood this, they wouldn't even have put one spike in Jesus' hand. Because in crucifying him, they were unleashing God's awesome weapon. And that is the church washed in the blood of Jesus, called back into authority. I want every man, even if you're just a teenager, I want every man to stand. Ladies, let me work with the men for a moment. Come on, every man, every man. I want every man to stand. Do you understand that if I'm going to be honest to preaching the gospel, I have to tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Jesus conferred a kingdom on us. Now, ladies, I'll get to you in a minute. The devil has duped us into believing. He knows what a threat we are if we get the revelation. And so the devil has duped us to believe that just those that are called into full-time ministry, they're the ones with power and authority. And he's got us playing a game on the sidelines. He's got most of us playing church on our couch. Even though we come here, we're not actively engaged. I want to tell you the kingdom of God is first and foremost and should be first and foremost in every area of your life. And if it isn't, then your treasure is somewhere else. And if you're not careful, your heart will take you there. So to all the men here in this room, I want you to repeat after me. I am born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am not the breakfast of demons. I was not meant to be beat up. I was not meant to be under the feet of demons. I was created to reflect the image of my God. And I am born again. Not into the first Adam, but into the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And I look like him. And I act like him. He is in me. And I am in him. And I have been reinstated to a place of divine order. The kingdom of darkness is beneath me. And the kingdom of God is in me. I have been given authority to the same proportion to the same dimension as Jesus was given authority. And I rebuke you, devil, off of my life. You have no right to harass me or control me or manipulate me. 
in Jesus' name. I break your power off of my life. And I rise up in the victory of being a son of God. In Jesus' name. Now men stay standing. Yeah, give the Lord a shout. Now men stay standing because we're only halfway there. He put his kingdom on you. Do you understand? He didn't just make you a citizen in the kingdom. You're a citizen in the USA. But the government of the USA isn't in your jurisdiction. You don't govern. You follow. In the kingdom of God, he made you part of the authority. Men, do you hear me? Men, do you hear me? Hey, Joe, up the back. You're a policeman. Did the government give you authority? When you tell someone to stop, how do you say it? Stop in the name of the law. And that's what you do with the devil. You say, stop in the name of the Lord. Because that is the law. Now, I want every man that's standing. If your wife is sitting next to you, if your daughter is sitting next to you, if there is someone sitting next to you of the female gender, I want you to turn around to your wife, your daughter, whoever is near you, ask them for permission if you don't know them, and you're going to lay hands on their shoulder, and you're going to pray. Come on. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm... I am releasing the authority of Jesus Christ over your life. Receive it. Now repeat after me. In Jesus' name, I put a covering over you by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been given authority. I have been given power. And in the name of Jesus, I speak life over you. I speak the blessing of God over you. I speak the protection of God over you. In Jesus' name, I open the doors of the kingdom of heaven and I allow God's goodness to flow over you. Amen. Now all the women stand. Men, take a seat for a second. There is neither male nor female in Christ. In other words, when it comes to having value in God's eyes, we have the same value. Sometimes we have different functions, even amongst men. Amongst men, we have different functions and different callings. Amongst women, you women, you don't all have the same calling and the same function. And there are some things that God has called men to and something that God has called women to. But we have equal value. And in the name of Jesus, we have just as much power and just as much authority. God, nowhere in the word does it say he gave them more of Jesus' authority than he did to the women. 
He said, if you believe, you will ask these things in my name. He didn't put any gender in there. So all the women, I want you to repeat after me. I am born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am no longer downtrodden. I don't believe the devil's lies. He can't beat me up. And he's not going to hurt me. The kingdom of darkness is under my feet because I am seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And I have power and I have authority in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And nothing will by any means take me down because Christ in me is greater. Now I want everyone to stand. Everyone stand. What's the use if I preach about the kingdom of God and don't activate the citizens to know how much power and authority they have? Bill, put your hands on Gina. Are there some things that you know she's been needing and she's been worried about and fretting about? Are there some things, don't tell me, are there some things that you know that sometimes vex her and concern her? Are there? No, no, don't tell me. Just say yes or no. <laughs> that, that's taking it literal. Yes or no? Yes? Okay. Do you know you have authority to lay hands on her, and she has authority to lay hands on you and rebuke the devil off of one another and pray the blood of Jesus. Gabriel, this is your wife. I don't know anything about your past. I just know you've been here the last three, four weeks. God wants you to rise up in his kingdom and don't take a back seat. In the past, you've been told what you can't do. Today, God is starting a new day in your life and he's telling you what you can do. And God wants you to rise up and be the priest in this house and you can be. And together with your wife, both of you are joint heirs together with Jesus. You're not bigger and better than her. She doesn't boss you around. You don't boss her around. The Bible says we submit one to another. Amen? Absolutely. I want you to put your hands on your wife. In fact, I want everyone to turn to somebody and Put your hand on their shoulder if they allow you. Everyone turn to somebody because everyone in this room has authority in Jesus' name. I'm activating the kingdom of God in you. Adam, over here, you know God has called you. But what I want you to know is that God has called you to signs and wonders. If you dare believe you will lay your hands on, and I want you to believe the word of God literally. I'm prophesying now. If you dare believe, you will start to see the beginnings and the greater extension of signs and wonders following. 
you have been bold enough to leave America behind and go to the mission fields before, and you're about to go again. And the Lord says he's going with you. And if you will believe this, what you are hearing today, and boldly put your hands on the sick, and even those that are demon-possessed, you will see the power of God at work, and you will see miracles taking place in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Amen. Now, everyone, repeat after me. You're going to pray over the person next to you. Joe, you're going to pray over Bonnie. Bonnie's going to pray over Joe. We're going to pray over each other. Father, I thank you. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. The government is on Jesus' shoulders. And he has raised me up to govern with him. And so I lay my hands on you in Jesus' name. And I rebuke the works of the enemy. Every curse that has been spoken over you, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. By the power of his name. I release the power of God to heal you, to deliver you, to make you whole, to bring miraculous things into your life. I have been given authority in the name of Jesus, and I believe it. And when I pray, Jesus answers and miracles happen. Father, I bless this person and release them into the fullness of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Patrick, do you normally pray like that? Okay. From today forward, I commission you to pray like that. You have been given authority, not from Rob Scarallo. You have been given authority from Jesus Christ. Jim, have you prayed like that before? Not quite like that. Does it sound a bit bold? You know what the Bible says? The righteous are bold like a lion. Mercedes, Aka, Didi. Have you ever prayed like that? Didi, you have authority in Jesus' name. As a woman, you have the same level of power in Jesus' name as Jim does. Kath, how are you? Good girl. Have you ever prayed like that? You're gonna though, aren't you? You see, church, every one of you, we are activating you. I don't want you to come to church and hear great Pastor Rob Scarallo. Listen, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. But I want to activate you into the same power of Jesus Christ that I've been activated into. 
I'm not the story. He's the story. And together we advance the kingdom of God. Together, when we know who we are in Christ. You want revival? Revival is the church, you and me, getting revived, waking up to who we really are, and stop letting the devil spit at us and tear at us and start standing up and healing the sick, casting out devils. Take authority in your house. Amen. Jeff, have you prayed like that before? Lori, have you prayed like that before? I commission you. Jesus commissions you. Your father has conferred a kingdom on you. You're not meant to just be a passerby. In your home, when the enemy comes roaring like a lion, pull your shirt back, Jeff, and let him see the real lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. And growl. Devil, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to close. But Marilyn is here. Come here, Marilyn. Quickly, quickly. Come around the front. About eight years ago, this lady had an aneurysm in her head. She was in the hospital. It was Sunday morning. We were preaching. The x-ray showed this aneurysm was in a very delicate spot and she had, what was the percentage chance of you dying? 99.998%, whatever. If she lived, there was a good likelihood she would have paralysis. Because it was such a touchy thing, just before she went under the scalpel, she was totally prepped. They did one more brain scan because it was in a very unique place and it was so easily could go desperately wrong. We got a text during a Sunday morning service like this. She's about to go in. I stopped preaching. Everyone stood up and we prayed. They went and took that x-ray and it was gone. To the same proportion, Jesus said, I give you authority to the same degree. To the same proportion, I confer a kingdom on you like my father's conferred on me. Yes. To the same proportion, church, her granddaughter had a desperate, serious accident. And they had to cut her out of the car. She was dead on the scene. They had to resuscitate her. Halfway through the week, I mean, she... She had a bleeding liver and uh, cracked teeth and fractured skull and the brain had swollen and uh, the police came to the house and said she's in critical condition. We're going to pray. Amen. Because I believe in the God who gives life to the dead. Amen. I don't believe she was resuscitated at the accident site by men and then she can't be resuscitated Amen. by Jesus. No way. There is greater power in the name of Jesus than there is in medical science. Come on, give me an amen, somebody. So I just talked to you and hopefully stirred your faith that the kingdom of God is conferred on you. You have governing authority. 
You have governing authority. You can rebuke demons. A spirit of death came to take her granddaughter. And we're going to stand in the gap. You're going to put your hands towards her. And you're going to pray like you just found out you have all authority over the kingdom of darkness. Are you ready? Put your hands towards her. And we're going to agree. Everyone just start to pray momentarily under your breath in tongues, in English, whatever. Give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we come into agreement as your church and as your sons and daughters. And in the name of Jesus, we speak to the spirit of death who attempted to take her life. And we command you back off. In Jesus' name, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare your kingdom is now. We declare your kingdom is here. We declare the realm of your power is in us. And we release your kingdom into that hospital, into Rebecca's life. We rebuke the spirit of death. We rebuke the spirit of paralysis. We rebuke the spirit of negative news. And in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, we release power into that hospital room. We release power into Rebecca's life. We release the kingdom of God to loose her and set her free from every demonic strategy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Bible says, believe that you have received it and you will receive it. So in other words, before you even see the manifestation of it, you believe you already got it. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. As I close, you must be born again. Jesus said it. He said, I'm the way to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is real. It might be invisible, but it's real. But every eye closed. If you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never done this before, if you want to come into the kingdom of God and let Christ have his way in your life. Well, every eye is closed. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. You might be here for the first time. Doesn't matter. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Who else? Raise your hand. You can put your hand down now. Two people here on my right. Who else? Raise your hand. Say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I want him to come into my heart. Praise God. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Awesome. Well, church, this is exciting. People are raising their hand to accept Christ. The kingdom of God is advancing. Yes. Everyone, repeat after me. Dear God, I believe you love me more than I deserve, and I'm glad you do. Jesus Christ, I believe. You are God, and you died on that cross to rescue me. 
So I invite you. I welcome you. I want you. Come into my life. I surrender. Forgive me. I've made a lot of mistakes. Like everyone else, I've sinned. Jesus Christ, forgive me of all my sins and live through me. Take control of the steering wheel and guide me, direct me. I accept you as the only one who could save me. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for those that raise their hands.